My name is Dominique Beaumonte, and you are listening to Season with Soft, the podcast. And in this episode, we're going to talk about how the party will not start until you get there. Stay tuned. What's up? This is Dominique Beaumonte, and you are listening to Season with Salt, the podcast. Stop everything that you're doing. And if you only listen to this podcast for three minutes, I want you to hear this scripture. It's found in Psalm 75, verse six and seven. For promotion cometh neither from the east, nor from the west, nor from the south, but God is the judge. He putteth down one and setteth up another. Let me read that again. For promotion, don't come from the east or the west or the south. God is in charge. He puts one down and he sets another up. I wanted to start by reading that scripture because it's one of my favorite verses in the Bible because it is an everlasting reminder of God's promise to take care of those who love him. And I know that sometimes that can be a really big idea, right? Like there are a lot of people who love God, or there are a lot of people who say they love God. And so what happens when two people who love God are in contention for the same position or the same opportunity? What do you do then? I think it's important to know that just like there are millions of people in the world, there are also millions of opportunities. And a God that we serve doesn't need to just simply deal with what is already there. He has the power to create new things. And I think that that's really powerful. So I wanted to start there. Sometimes, whether it's in our professional lives, our ministerial lives, our family lives, we are crippled by what you hear people calling imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome is the persistent inability to believe that you are worthy of whatever success that you're experiencing. And it's this idea that you don't in some way legitimately deserve what it is that you have come into contact with. 
I was listening to a, a speech by Chris Emden, uh, one of my favorite um, thinkers, and he talked about the weaponization of humility, specifically where it uh, relates to African American people. But anyway, I'm not going to go into that. But it is true that humility has been weaponized and we have been positioned to believe that any kind of confidence is somehow anti-God or, and, and we use, most people use confidence like a coin purse or a wallet, right? They cash that confidence in for new opportunities. But when you don't have any, because you have been made to believe that you are unworthy or that your experience or that what you contribute is insignificant, then you show up a lot different than other people. So let's talk about worthiness. Who makes us worthy? And I think we have to ask ourselves that. If I am worthy, who makes me worthy? If you are someone who subscribes to a political system or you're a politician, people make you worthy in a sense because they vote for you, right? If you are in a natural promotional scheme in your professional world, your performance evaluation, your relationship, your resume make you worthy. But I want to submit to you that if you are in a covenant relationship with Jesus Christ, here's what God says that's important for us to remember every day. In a, in, in a world where gods are to be worshipped and we have a God to worship, Jesus changes the entire system by saying that rather than seeing yourselves as my servant, see yourselves as my son and daughters and then experience the inheritance of sons and daughters as opposed to slaves. Now, if that is the intention of God for how Christians experience the world, then we have to ask ourselves who makes us worthy. Whether we get the performance evaluation or the promotion at work or the, 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 the affirmation that the world is giving, by nature of our receiving Christ and he making us sons and daughters, that is what qualifies us, not just in heaven, but in every system under the heavens. I'm preaching now. I know I am. And, 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 and so, okay. So, you know the story of David, but let me position this story of David in, in, a, in, a, in a different way. So, you know that. God ordains. So the children of Israel did not have a king and they wanted a king. They got tired of being whooped up. They decided that having a king was the thing that you need in order to be victorious in battle. So God gave them King Saul. 
Well, Saul did not please God. And so Saul uh, was replaced by another king. The king that God chose, now there were there was other kings between Saul and David, or one other king between Saul and David. But when God decided to choose David, he sends the prophet to David's father's house, Jesse, and says to the prophet, go to Jesse's house and pick among his sons who will be king. So the prophet goes down to Jesse's house. And in those days, kings were identified based on their ability to go to war, right? So it was about their uh, mental aptitude, their physical ability, so on and so forth. The prophet began selecting people based on the way that they looked or based on a reference from Jesse. I think this son that I have would be perfect. Then God would tell the prophet, no. In fact, one of the key scriptures that we often uh, share when we're talking about encouraging folks to see themselves in a different way, God says to the prophet, you look on the outward appearance, but I look on the inside appearance. And so the prophet has to go back to work. And so he goes through all of what he believes to be Jesse's sons. And God is not pleased with any of Jesse's sons. And so the prophet says to Jesse, you've got to have another son because God wouldn't have sent me here to select a son to be king among your sons if you didn't have one that he was pleased with. So Jesse says, well, I do have another son. He's the youngest. He's a pretty boy. He's, he's, he is down in the field protecting the sheep because he is a shepherd boy. In other words, I didn't invite him to this event because he was not qualified based on how we revere kings to be. Perhaps his strength, his mental aptitude, his preparedness, his age, all these things do not align with what it is that we believe that a king should look like, should do. But God had already told the prophet, y'all look on the outside, I look on the inside. So the prophet tells Jesse, well, go get that son that you didn't invite to this initial go around. And as soon as he goes to get David, the Bible says that the prophet recognizes almost immediately that this is the son that God chose to be king of Israel. And the Bible says that David is anointed on the spot. So he is not initially invited. He is not initially considered. He is not amongst those deemed to be qualified on earth. But my friends, when God chooses you, you might not get invited to the social. You, not, you might not be on the list. You might not go to happy hour. You might not have any friends at work. You might not be invited to preach. You might not have the best car or the best look. You might not be as physically prepared. You might not be appropriately dressed. You might not have the right words in your vocabulary. But if God chooses you, 
If God chooses you, you belong wherever he chooses for you to belong. And so in David's case, even though he was not initially invited, the party could not start until he got there. I want us to revere this story from this perspective. The Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart. He was somebody that God revered from the place of his heart. And his beginnings were so humble because he was not anybody's favorite. He was not looked upon, but he was gifted. And he generated his gift, perfected his gift in quiet places that people could not see. Now that's on bird all by itself. Because sometimes we want the big internship or the big opportunity or to be on the big screen or to speak in front of the big crowd. But David perfected his gift in private. And when it was time for David to be positioned to be who God intended for him to be, he was already ready. Now, he did have to go through some things. He did have to wait. He did have to struggle a little bit. But everything that he needed to be who God called him to be was already in him from the beginning. So if everything that I need to be who God called me to be is already in me from the beginning, then why is it that I offer, why do I struggle with imposter syndrome? The belief that I don't belong, the belief that my experience doesn't matter, the belief that somehow somebody else deserves it more than me. Why do I wrestle with this false humility? Why do I make people believe that I'm unqualified because there are other people? Why do I allow people to string me along under this belief that if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't be here? Those are things that we got to think about, friends. Because the world would have us to believe that we are the tail and not even have an inch of potential to be the head. And that's anti-Bible. That's anti-God. You cannot be a child of God and at the, at the back of the line. Now, Jesus, the, the, the Bible rather does say that he, 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 he puts down some and puts down others and that he calls us to be a base. Right. And this is not about arrogance. It's not about projecting ourselves to be better than other people. But it's simple as realizing that if I'm anointed, I'm anointed. If I'm called, I'm ca if I got it, I got it. Period. Season with song, with song.